Welcome to the School Yoga Coach Podcast. My name is Molly, and I am a middle school teacher, a trauma-informed yoga teacher, and I'm the founder of the Instructional Yoga Coach Training Program, because we believe that every school needs a yoga teacher. Hello. How are you guys doing today? Um, today, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the, the plan in process um, to potentially open schools after closing and finishing off the year um, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I know that our entire state and my local district um, they are in the process of coming up with a lot of different scenarios for what could happen in August or September when we um, are supposed to resume school again. And I'm sure this is happening um, across the nation as well. Some might have an easier way of transitioning than others. But um, I wanted to look at this, this phased reopening um, from a yoga principle perspective, from the philosophy of bottom-up processing. So I want to talk right now to any administrators, principals, superintendents, um, or other decision makers or decision influencers that have the unenviable job of trying to figure this out, okay? Number one, you know, thank you for doing everything you can to protect all of our kids and all of our teachers and all of our staff um, at the different schools in the best way that you know how, which um, the knowledge is pretty you know, limited right now with this particular thing for COVID-19. Um, but we do have past experience to pull from, and that's awesome. And I know we're making plans from that. So I'm going to let you take care of that stuff in terms of how many kids and where they sit and what the curriculum's going to look like and whether we're at home or at school. Those are the plans I know you're making. What I am focused on and my instructional yoga coaches or school yoga coaches as they are helping with helping you with this um, I want you to know the perspective that we're gonna bring to the table and that perspective is not about tests and not about buildings per se it's about um, this bottom-up processing or polyvagal theory um, of feeling safe. And I've talked a little bit about that before, but uh, the idea of safety is a difficult one because right now we are associating safety with precautions against danger. Those are not the same thing. Feeling safe is not the same as taking safety precautions. So you guys are doing a great job right now of figuring out safety precautions. 
I am going to talk to you about what happens inside our bodies and um, how that impacts our ability to problem solve, but also, and I think very important for all of us, um, how that's going to impact our students' ability to learn. We know already that kids who are going through trauma or have trauma at home or, you know, come to us and they're worried about things, we know that that equals not much learning going on. I don't think we really talk about or really investigate the actual process that has to occur. So in other words, um, instead of thinking, oh, those kids have a lot going on at home, they're worried about it, if I can just get them to stop worrying, then they can work on this assignment. Um, that is that kind of assumption, which is a common one, is missing a lot of important pieces. So here are the pieces. Just like we have you know, phases to going back to school, okay, I want you to think of it this way. Our body, our internal system has phases that have to turn on before the learning can happen. And I'm going to repeat that. It has to go through these phases. These things have to occur. They're not choices. They're not decisions because choices and decisions are in phase three of our internal uh, navigating system. So what are those three phases? They are the three brains. We have three brains, not just one. We have at least three. So the three, the brain number one, so phase one, is our gut brain. It's all the information and, um, and knowledge. And I want, I'm just going to go back to the word information. It's actual data and information that enters our system through the gut. Now, that doesn't mean uh, internally like what we eat, but it just means that everything that we experience or hear or smell or whatever, that information is brought through the nervous system to the gut, to the gut. And then from the gut, it travels upward to the brain where the brain can think about it. But the, the gut is brain number one. Brain number two is the heart. The heart, um, not in terms of, you know, heart health or, you know, cardiovascular health. It's the brain of the heart that is saying, how am I connected here? And that heart brain kind of goes from the heart and up into the face. So that, that long path from heart to face is where we feel connected. It's a different brain. And then last but not least, the brain we're most familiar with, the one inside our skull, which is responsible for an awful lot of things. But what we are most um, focused on in school is, of course, the problem solving. That's the thing that makes us human, isn't it? So even within that big structure, we know that we have our reptilian brain and we have our limbic brain. And those connect to those things that I was talking about. But we need to know that the senses for that information in the head brain start either in the gut or in the heart. So the gut brain is responsible 
for telling us or letting us know um, if we are safe. And this is where I want to um, differentiate between preparing for danger, right? Making things, um, keeping us safe in danger and feeling safe. When you feel safe, you are not thinking about danger. You are at ease, right? You're calm, you're relaxed. Basically, it's like, ah, yeah, this is what I'm used to. This is how it's supposed to be. That is a healthy gut brain, right? Telling us everything's okay. That's all it is. It's pretty simple. And then after that, if we're feeling like everything's okay, then our heart brain says, well, okay, but let me tell you if we're feeling connected or if we're feeling judged or if we're feeling um, some resistance or some suspicion, right? Like how are people including me? How are people responding to me? That's our heart brain. Am I connected? And then finally, we have the problem-solving brain, which is like, what can I do with the things around me right now? What I have a problem. How can I solve it? So I want to take you through um, a metaphorical story. It's kind of, I got thinking about this because I'm wrapping up the year with um, talking about myths and fables and parables with my seventh grader. So I don't know, you can call this a, a parable or a myth, or well, it's not really a myth, but it's a little allegorical story. So imagine that you and your family have decided to go out somewhere for dinner. This is in a time where you can go anywhere you want. So you're going to go for dinner. So you all exit the house, turn off the lights, you lock the doors, you know, you get in the car, you start driving away. You're not maybe more than a couple minutes away and you're like, oh no, I forgot my wallet or my purse or the money. Forgot it. So you turn around to go back home and um, your partner, significant other, your kids, your friend, whoever's in the car, you're like, wait here, I'll go in and get it. So in order to get that wallet or money, um, you need to do a couple things. One, you need to unlock the door because you locked it, right? And then you need to turn on the lights so you can see where you're going. And then you need to start thinking about, okay, now where did I put that? Where was the last place I put my wallet? So those are the three processes. And I want you to think of each of those as that part of the brain, right? And um, so here's how it works. If you do come home and... Instead of unlocking your door, your door is already ajar. Are you going to walk inside and turn on the lights and start looking for your wallet? Probably not. Your sense of safety has been alerted and you're going to be like, whoa, what's happening here? And depending on your previous experiences or your other surroundings or the way you... Um, you know, expect things to be, you might run back to the car and be like, hey, did I lock that door? Did we close the door? Or did I leave it open? 
Or you might say like, no, I know I locked and closed that door. And you get on the phone with the police, right? If you were to walk back to the car and tell your friend, your spouse, hey, the door was unlocked. I'm going to call the police. And they're like, yeah, but did you get your wallet? Did you get the money so we can go eat? Wouldn't you think that's really weird? You'd be like, what are you talking about? Clearly, we're not going to do that now. I have to, I have to make sure we're safe. On the other hand, if you unlock the door, you walk in and you can't turn on the lights, the lights won't go on. Now that's another signal like, wait, I can't see where I'm going. I can't, I can't tell what's around me, right? I might bump into things. I might start searching around or I might be like, oh, I'm going to have to try to figure out if we blew a fuse or something. So I might not feel in as much danger, but I can't look for my wallet in the dark. Can't do it. Once again, if I ran outside and told my, hey, do you have a flashlight or something to help me? And they're like, well, did you get the wallet? You would look at them again and be like, no, I couldn't. I didn't get my wallet. I have to turn the lights on. I need some sort of light. So whether it's a flashlight or something, I need something to go see where I'm going. Not as critical of a danger, but it's going to stop me from or get in the way of me finding my wallet. If I've been able to turn on the, or open the door, right, unlock the door, turn on the light, and everything looks as I left it, I'm immediately going to go look for my wallet. If I turn on the lights and things look weird, or there's somebody standing in my, in my house, depending on who it is, um, I am also going to stop looking for the wallet, right? So if it's someone I don't recognize, I'm back to the gut brain, the, oh my gosh, this is dangerous. Um, if it's like, oh, that's my kid. I thought you were in the car, right? We might get a little irritated, angry, or uh, embarrassed, right? If we're like, uh-oh. Or on the other hand, if you walked back in and turn on the lights and everybody shouts, surprise, and it was a surprise party, like you're going to feel a lot of, um, after the initial surprise, a lot of warmth, a lot of gratitude and like, wow, this is great. Oh man. Right. So, so we have different levels of connecting to whoever's in the house. If you're having a surprise party and you've connected this way, right. And you're, are you going to then start looking for your wallet? <laughs> no, you're going to go on to something different. So the, in this wonderful little pet parable or allegory, I want you to think of that finding the wallet as the typical problem solving that we're asking teachers and kids to do upon returning to school, right? That's what that is. I don't care if it's following a schedule, figuring out the lock, um, the combination on their lock, um, making lesson plans or even just like remembering what time it is sometimes. Those all belong to the brain, the head brain. So before kids and teachers can do that, what do they need? 
They need the feeling of the surprise party or the feeling of, um, oh, it's you. I'm so glad to see you, right? They need that. That's that heart-brain connection. But before that can happen, they need a feeling of ease in the belly. And that's a huge challenge for all of us. I'm going to encourage you to, to just reflect right now. Redirect your awareness, your spotlight, kind of your inner spotlight on that feeling of ease in your belly. And notice if there's anything there. Is it there? And if it's not, try to redirect that awareness throughout your day and discover at what point do I feel a little bit of ease? So maybe it's that once you're done with all of your calls and your plans and you've put away everything for the night and you take your dog out for a walk, are you feeling a little more at ease? And that's going to be important for our decision makers too, right? So our decision makers need to find, you're not going to be at ease 100% of the time. None of us are, ever. We're not built that way. We're built to let us know when we should be on alert, when we should be cautious. But um, what we do is we take times that are, um, are not dangerous in the moment, in the moment, we take that moment of ease and we complicate the heck out of it and scare ourselves silly and say, okay, what can we do to solve this problem that is not yet a problem, okay? This is not the same as preparing to go back to school. It's not the same. We can prepare to go back to school and, and um, prepare safety measures and then take ourselves, get our neurological self back to a state of ease. So we have to follow that thing. I have, I'm, I'm at ease. I trust the people I'm working with. That's what that heart is. Now let's make some decisions. If we're not at ease and we're making decisions, we're making fear-based decisions, not safety precautions. And if there's um, one thing our entire society is going to need, but definitely our children and teachers are going to need, is decisions that have been made that are not based on fear, but are based on the um, plan and the expectation of recovery and normalcy, a new normalcy perhaps, but normalcy, because normalcy is that sense of at ease, right? We're at ease because we're familiar with this and we know what to do and this is, this is what I'm used to. Um, so my next podcast, I'm going to give you very specific and simple things to start thinking about incorporating into your plan as you um, follow the recommendations of your district, your state, and 
um, and our national um, guidelines. As you do that, those are the, you just have to know those decisions are talking to the brain and most importantly, talking to the amygdala in the brain, right? Like making sure that that little fella is like <laughs> feeling very heard and like, okay, we got this. But how can we incorporate a um, sense of ease and a sense of connection? There's a lot we don't know. Um, and so we're going to be trying a lot of new things as we transition back into school. But there's a lot we do know also. And that is about our three brains, our three um, senses of safety, connection, and then problem solving. And if we use that information to help guide our decisions, we can help all of us recover from this, you know, pretty, pretty unsettling pandemic. Um, and we can recover emotionally, right? We can recover. We can come out through the process having learned something new. And before you dismiss this as fluffy feel-good stuff, I just want to remind you what I said earlier, which is none of these things are decisions. None of these things are choices. Um, and in fact, when we try to make a choice or a decision and ignore what our gut brain or heart brain is telling us, we end up making pretty bad decisions. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast. And um, next week, we will talk about some very practical things that you can do, um, or at least talk about with the decision makers in your school or in your district that will be very simple. And I don't want you to be... Um, you know, misled by how simple they are, thinking they're unimportant. Our body needs simplicity, not complexity, in order to feel at ease. So um, we'll leave the complexity for the head brain, and let's do some simple things to talk to our gut brain and our heart brain so that all of this stuff will be working well for everybody once we are back in schools, and I trust that'll be very soon. If you would like more information, please make sure you reach out to me at www.schoolyogacoach.com. Um, I'd love to meet um, any of you, uh, whether it's in a phone call or a virtual conference call, and I'd also love to tell you a little more about what our instructional yoga coach training program is like because we are starting that June 1st and that's going to get our yoga teachers ready to be working with a particular school or district on just this kind of stuff. That simple stuff that you're like, I don't know how to make people feel better in their belly. Well, yoga teachers do. So um, reach out to me if you would like to have a school yoga coach in your school next year and I will make sure that um, I connect you with someone nearby. Thanks a lot and I will talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for joining me um, on the School Yoga Coach podcast. If you'd like to learn more or um, check out some of the resources that I am sharing with both teachers and yoga teachers, please visit www.schoolyogacoach.com. Stay well, everybody.